Welcome to the Create a Relationship You Love Summit. I'm your host, Andrea Carella, and as you know, the benefits of the summit are to help couples create satisfying relationships and to communicate authentically with more harmony, understanding, and passion. Today, we have a very special guest. His name is Dr. Ray, and he is a relationship breakthrough coach who creates thriving and passionate relationships. Today, we'll be talking about keeping the love alive, passion, connection, and partnership. We will be covering how to keep the love alive throughout the relationship lifespan, what are sexual polarities, and how to ignite passion and enhance sexuality, and how to deepen connection by authentically relating with our partner. Welcome to the summit, Dr. Ray. It's so wonderful to have you on today. Thank you for having me. Great. Wonderful. Well, we'll just go ahead and jump on in. We have a lot of amazing topics to cover. How can couples keep the love alive throughout the lifespan of the relationship? And how can we rekindle that love if it's faded over time? Well, the reality is that most of us connect through ideas. And what I mean by that, those ideas are derived from old paradigms that have been shared with us. We're part of that collective consciousness and unconsciousness. So when I work with couples and they're having challenges, one of the key questions I ask them is, why are you together? Mm. And, and it's not just about love. It's usually there's this blank like look, like, and it usually is based on more ideas, and these people don't know if these are even their ideas. So if you're with someone for many years and it's based off other people's ideas, then in time, your relationship is not going to maybe feel like it is working for you because it's based off something that's not really resonating with your soul. When you start stripping it down and you get clear with kind of what your idea of relationship is now, that itself starts rekindling the flame. It starts changing things. And, and of course, honestly, it can actually where it's like maybe we're no longer a match. That sometimes happens. But more and often, it's where a partner looks at another partner and says, wow, there you are. There you are. I, I never really saw you. You know, you were more my projection. And while I have been upset with you is because you didn't fit this idea that I had. And this idea I had wasn't even me. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I guess, you know, through the different phases of life in our 20s and in our 30s and 40s, midlife, different career transitions and stressors, how can that bond be maintained over time within the relationship so that it stays strong? Many of us get caught up in the matrix, and that means getting up and going to work. That means where a husband might become very comfortable because there's no arguments. His wife is not saying anything. One day, 20 years later, she says, you know what, I want a divorce or I'm unhappy. And he's saying, what's wrong? We don't fight. All the money's there. The co- our kids are in college. But the reality is that they have outgrown each other. And the one way to kind of keep that relationship alive is simple conversation communication throughout the relationship it's no matter what and sometimes couples will say we, we're no matter what we're gonna do a date night on Wednesday night but what do you do on a date night you go to dinner what are you really talking about so it's about going a little bit deeper and find out what your partner's really feeling and when you do that when like we know this all of us both men and women when someone sounds and feels really interested in us we like being around that person. And we reality is we like to talk about ourselves. We do like to share our stories. If we get caught up in what's comfortable and our partner doesn't seem very interested in us, then we become we don't become we become less interested in them. 
Mm-hmm. It's just simple conversation, communication. And what are some of those key areas in the relationship to maintain in conversation so that you both partners get a sense of where the pulse is of the relationship? What are, what are those key areas to, to make sure that we cover in those conversations? Well, it might be this. Am I pleasing you? Am I turning you on? Where are you sexually? Another one might be, what do you think about life? You know, why do we exist? You know, where do you see us going, being 50 years from now? You know, what, or, you know, what's your passions today? You know, what's passionate about this relationship and how can we make it feel more alive? It, it might be even about just an actual career change or meaning like, are we happy with what's going on right now? Our lifestyle, where we live, you know, the house, all of those things. And sometimes the, the other partner is afraid to say something. But when you open it up to these types of conversations, what ends up happening is that you really get to know where your partner is and therefore it's this collaboration into rediscovering where each other are. Mm, absolutely. I know for myself, my husband and I, my now husband, when we were dating, I remember us being on the train and reading this book. Uh, I think it was the 10 Conversations Before Marriage. And obviously, these areas can be covered later on when you're actually married and revisiting these topics. But some of them were career and lifestyle, sex, child rearing, lifestyle, how you spend your time, how you divide the chores, different different topics that are really important to continue to revisit throughout the life span of the relationship. Yes, absolutely. I'm really curious about what sexual polarities are and um, how we can ignite and how couples on the call can ignite the passion and enhance their sexuality in their relationship with their partner. That For me to, to share that, I have to go to you know, explaining, you know, what that might mean to me and also talking about different phases of relationships. And I could do that very quickly. So imagine the first phase of relationship being kind of more egoic. It's kind of what we want for ourselves. There's no boundaries. It's very primal. It's very sexual. It's, it can be connected to kind of the more animalistic part of ourselves. Um, hopefully we grow beyond that and also stay connected to that because it's very important. That's where the darkness and the passion is also. Second stage relationship is where you do start compromising. You start uh, creating boundaries and both people met, might develop both their masculine and feminine qualities. A woman might develop her masculine qualities. A man might develop his feminine qualities. And in that, what happens is that you become complete energetically yourself. So it doesn't necessarily mean that you need a relationship. You might not necessarily yearn for it. Therefore, like for example, when women typically are, say, going to school or starting a new career, oftentimes they don't feel like dating. They don't feel sexual. And that's because they're very much in masculine mode. They're, in a way, kind of completing that part of themselves to stay directional. And it's also that energy is in their head for them to keep moving forward. And it might even look like survival mode. She, she in a way, is hunting. She's not you know, relaxing into her, her feminine energy and allowing herself to maybe experience a partner. There's nothing wrong with that. And this happens in different times of our life where someone might pass away or we're sick or we have to do something else. We have to put all our energy into that. And you do that, that changes hormones and it changes our biology. If we don't, and if we're not slipping into this arc of energy, what ends up happening in the long-term relationship is we become comfortable 
there's no sexual polarity because both people have become one, meaning that she might be, you know, when a woman is taking care of children, she is not in feminine mode. She is in protection mode. She's in given mode. She's in providing mode. Her hormones are shifting. And so it's not like she's sent off pheromones to like come, you know, take me. It's not like she's after taking care of her kids that she's going to be sexually excited. So life roles can definitely change our biology and our attraction. The third stage is where you become aware of that and it might be crossing boundaries for the sake of love or growth. And it's where the third stage is connected both the first, second, and that third stage, which is more spiritual. It's where you realize that there's a bigger picture to all of this. You also can override your biology and it's when you start rediscovering each other and going into these deeper questions and so forth. In other words, you know, you, you realize that you are playing these certain roles. And what I mean by like roles, it might be a man being at his work when he comes home, he's still that. It might be a mother where she is being a mother and so when he comes home, that's what she's still being. But when you really connect to your true essence, your true masculine feminine essence, then that's what creates sexual polarity. And it can happen. I've seen women in my private practice where they're not turned on by their husband in it. this present moment. They love him, but he's not working. He's kind of moping around. He, he's kind of coming off of being depressed. Well, when he is that way, he's not as masculine as he can be. Uh, he's also, in her mind, he's, she's feeling, can I trust him? And for her, especially women today, they might move into hunting mode where she has to provide, she has to you know, make more money and so forth. So if she's in that mode, it's not like she's really slipping into her feminine essence, which is where she is most excited and wants to be when she's sexually with her partner. And so it's very important for couples to be able to connect to that energy to create that arc of energy. And it's like they say opposites attract. Well, think of it more like this as yin and yang energy. So if you have two people way more into their feminine energy, it might sound like this. What do you want to do tonight? I don't know. What do you want to do tonight? I don't know. What do you want to do tonight? I don't care. And then two years later, they realize, well, wow, we haven't even had sex. Uh, if you have two people fully in their masculine, it might be a conversation in their head or it might be repelling energies where they get into arguments, which is a very common reason why couples will argue when it comes to finances because they both are in their heads. And it's really about something that's linear and not something that's really in their heart. Sexual polarity is a, the dance of yin and yang of energy. And it's not something, you know, in the first stage, you might get excited just because it's genital sex. It's just because you want that person. It's that animalistic part of yourself that wants to be taken or take a partner. And I don't mean that in a selfish and macho way. I'm just talking about, you know, more energetically. And what ends up happening is that when we go through these changes in life, it can diffuse that. And so we need to rise above that and be aware of that from this multidimensional perspective. Mm. And if we're out of alignment in that way, how can we recalibrate? What are your recommendations? Well, for a woman, she might want to dance. She might want to have a glass of wine. She might want to go do yoga. She might want to just get movement in her body uh, to do things that make her feel lighter and relaxed. If it's a man, he might want to go out into nature and lean against a tree to, and root himself. It might be join a, a men's group to where he can express himself. Because maybe in a relationship, you know, he is sharing his emotions way too much in a relationship. Now, many women say, oh, I want a sensitive man. 
but I, I've noticed this with my clients, and I can just ask, you know, many women out there, and they usually agree. But if a man is, for example, you come home from work and he's saying, "This is some stuff I wrote in my journal," and every day he's sharing about his feelings, uh, in time, it's like where he becomes the more sensitive one. Doesn't mean that a man cannot be sensitive, but it's very important that he doesn't be, he loses his sensitivity to his woman, her feelings, and where she is at. I find relationships to be far more healthy for a man when he has other outlets that are healthy, connecting to men. You know, like it's it's really hard for a woman to say to a man, "Get your shit together, be a man." It's it's emasculating. But I'll tell you, when you're with other men and you're moping around, they say, "Come on, brother, you you really you 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 could do so much better than that." We men, we don't we're not offended to that. You know what I mean? We men can call each other on our stuff. It's more difficult when a woman is doing it because we want to be your hero. <laughs> we mm-hmm. want to be there and bring you the prize. And, and we know if we're playing it small. Mm-hmm. And so it's so important for men to be connected with other men. Mm-hmm. And how can a couple ignite the passion and enhance their sexuality once they find this harmony and balance internally with their sexual polarities? How can they uh, create that energy with their partner? Any suggestions? Well, that kind of just happens naturally. In fact, I mean, I've worked with couples where we enter kind of the things that piss them off. And once there's clarity and they both see each other, they go home and have sex. They come back, tell me that, you know, they had something shifted in them and they feel a lot better. And just that alone kind of breaks the blocks, meaning that sexual polarity and passion exists all the time. But it's when we get caught up in these roles and, um, transgressions towards each other, we develop blocks. So, you know, husband can't understand why it is that she's not open up or surrendering herself to him or just being flirtatious, whatever it is. And, you know, people often will blame it on, well, you've been together for five years and that's BS. It could be that she hasn't shared that she is still pissed off about something. You know, so there's something that she's still carrying in, within her body. There's so many things like that. Once you get past those blocks, the body itself, when two people come together, if there's love there, it'll naturally happen. And if you're talking about direct suggestions, you know, I mean, that can always be such as a woman is blindfolded and a man pulls out a piece of chocolate and has her smell it in her nose so it goes through all her senses and opens up her body to where he has her open her mouth and puts it in her mouth and that is a very vulnerable place for a woman to be to be able to receive especially have something put in your mouth because probably the last time you've had that done is when you were a baby to do that and then have her just slowly eat the chocolate and savor it and and that even opens up her senses and chocolate literally according to Chinese medicine opens up the heart but that can do stuff those those little things they all exist there's so many books on tantric sex and ways to ignite passion but I feel as though that those things only work if you move past the blocks and really are able to see each other. Absolutely. I think also what you mentioned before about if there are barriers or unresolved issues, if there, feel, if there feels like there's a lack of emotional connection, I know for, for many women, the sexual engagement is going to be much more difficult because there's an emotional disconnect. And so being able to repair those hurts that happen along the way or resolve conflict and also maintain that emotional connection 
during the day allows us to be able to connect more deeply at night when we're, we're physically intimate. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I would imagine the same can go for a man, but I know primarily for a woman that emotional connection is, is key. Absolutely. I, I've had people here where a couple, for example, two days ago, and she mentioned how in the moment, even when she was sharing, and I, it's great that he's very affectionate, he put his hand on her, his, her legs, and they're pretty evolved people, and she kind of, please not do, do not do that right now. And what it was is she brought up something that happened, had happened two years ago, and you know she, they, they needed to resolve that. But even that process when she's sharing it, she just really wanted to be heard before having him touch her. And this is right here in my office. Mm-hmm. That happens all the time without words being attached to them. Right. And I, I would imagine if there's the, those ongoing issues or those ongoing themes that are swept under the carpet and aren't addressed, that that just builds up over time and obviously bleeds into the relationship both emotionally and physically. Definitely clearing that out is really important, uh, which brings me to my next question. How can couples create a deeper connection and deeper intimacy by relating to one another more authentically? And how do they go about that process? Authentically relating means uh, it's, it's much more than just in a conversation. So there's three ways, three parts to a deep conversation or like the way that we communicate. So one is informational. You know, what school did you go to? What do you like? Where did you grow up? Second is when you might share your feelings. A person might ask, how's your day going? You might say, crappy, you know, being honest. But if that person says, oh, yes, I, I hear you, that's it. That's just hearing that, those feelings, and that's still not relating. Relating would be when that person hears and feels what that person had just said. Oh, it, crappy. Wow, you know, my day is going that way, too. You know, I'm, I'm sorry that you're feeling that. So what can I do or tell me more about that? Now that person's kind of given back the experience of that conversation and, and how it impacts him or her. Relating is when you actually are in a conversation and you're having experience with that person. You might know this jargon, but it's intersubjectivity. You know, there's a type of therapy that they call intersubjectivity, which is where the therapist becomes part of the conversation. You know, there's this old school where the therapist is just a blank canvas, which I think is BS. The, the therapist is always bringing something to it, which is why I heard a lot of people have not liked that type of therapy, whereas there's intersubjectivity type of therapy where that the therapist might say, this is what I'm feeling from this experience with you. And that's the type of feedback that this person maybe is really yearning for to help him or her grow. So in a relationship, it's being able to talk and make sure that you are relating. You know, another thing that's very a simple do, but also very hard when it happens is when you know, look at sit in front of your partner for just five minutes without saying anything and look into his and her eyes and look into his left eye and look, in, look into her right eye. When you do that, oftentimes the, the couple will try to make each other laugh or they'll look away. They have difficulty looking into their partner's eyes. Whatever discomfort comes up or even joy that comes up, one person might share, the other person will just listen. If the other person wants to get feedback, that person might ask for permission, and that person will say something very simple along the lines of what that person just shared. That itself 
takes you deeper. It really allows you to see each other and people who don't, you know, people who are kind of caught up in just the idea of the relationship, meaning the car, the picket fence, the kids and all that stuff, they lose this. You know what I mean? They really lose this. And so it's about connecting to being able to authentically relate, uh, sharing how you're relating. It's being able to look at each other in the eyes and going deeper. And a lot of times people hold back on that because they're afraid what they might hear. You know, they might hear the woman say, you know what? It really turns me off when you're on the phone all the time, especially when I'm saying something. You look away and I see you look at your phone. It actually pisses me off. And he could defend himself. Well, it's about work. And, of course, he's not connecting to how she's feeling. It might be where he says, I'm sorry I'm doing that. And I, I can only imagine how that feels, and it would really bother me too. Uh, I will work on you know, not doing that. And she, in that moment, she might just look at him like, wow, I was heard. And then they hug and kiss. Yeah, I think couples always have an opportunity in their interactions with one another to either be drawn closer together or further apart. And I really think it it comes down to that authentic relating. And really, it's ultimately intimacy, like being able to be tolerate and being comfortable with our own vulnerability and being intimate with ourselves and then also being able to relate and be intimate with another person with whatever comes up. And definitely, I think being able to to listen and be engaged and be impacted by the other person and having that focus of attention, like what's going on inside of me as I'm connecting with my partner helps you be able to, to relate to each other and have a sense of empathy for one another as opposed to the negative communication cycle that that couples get stuck in where, you know, right versus wrong, my thought versus your thought. And that can spin out of control and lead to a lot of lack of understanding and lack of connection. So Absolutely. And, and a side note for men listening to this is that when a woman's sharing her feelings, it doesn't mean anything is changing or that you have to do anything or there's something wrong or anything else. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> You're just holding space for one another. And yeah. sometimes that is enough. And sometimes that can be hard to do because we feel powerless and we want to do something about it in that moment to fix it or make it better. I've had women go off on me and I say, so do you not want to go on this trip? And they're like, what are you talking about? And I said, well, you just sounded really upset at me. They're like, no, I just was sharing. I'm like, oh, Okay, <laughs> because, you know, when we men, we share, or at least for me, and I know a lot of men like this, that we're, we're sharing because there is some conclusion to it, meaning that we might not want to go, we're changing our plans or something, you know, we're looking for a tangible outcome, whereas I noticed that with women when they're sharing, that they're just merely sharing, mm-hmm. and it, it, so that's it, and to not get caught up in what I need to do, but just be present with her. Right. I think it's about being heard and being seen and being acknowledged and understood yep. and and being able to hold space. A woman feels supported and feels like they're taken care of. And really that's what women, what women need in a relationship, just like what men need is 
you know, a, a physical desire, attraction, uh, a partnership, a playmate, you know, to, to share life experiences with. I, I'm curious, what are your thoughts about how a couple can stay unified uh, throughout the life transitions, whether it be midlife, whether it be career changes or just hormonal changes that happen? How can a couple stay unified and connected during those different phases of life? Well, if a couple's just getting together, meaning that they're just about to get married, then this is really great information because it's a lot easier to establish this in the beginning. That is where you both agree that your shadow is going to come up. And shadow means just like your dark stuff that triggers you. And so, you know, you just remember to just check in with each other throughout the relationship, whether it's once a week, once a month, whatever it is. The way that a couple stays in tune as far as their true essence and who each other are is the authentic relating. Having those conversations possibly once a week, that's one thing. Two, it's no matter what, finding at least what, once a week, if you're not having literal sex, that you're holding each other, you're kissing each other. Even if, honestly, even if like, you know, you're tired, it's just, you know, connecting that, when you connect like that, your body, your hormones start shifting where it does lead to more sex. It's very healing for two people to do that together. It's also very important for the, both people to be doing their own work. And that work might be seeing a coach. It might be being part of a women or a men's group. It might be no matter what you have rituals for yourself, such as you know you might be driving kids to soccer practice, whatever, but you have your, you know, your yoga practice twice a week. Uh, a man needs to be able to, you know, enter his man cave, but not the cave where he's drinking beer and watching TV or watching sports or whatever it is. It's where he's really connected to what he what he's here to do, you know, while he's alive. And it's just tuning into those things because the more we stay in tune with who we are and what we need from that point in our lives, we're able to communicate that with our partner. Therefore, our partner has a map of kind of where to go. And so there's this kind of constant discovery to each other because you're doing your own work. It's just natural. If you're doing your own work, you become curious about your, of your partner. And that's just how it is. Right. And I think as you focus on your own personal growth, you become always kind of fresh and new and interesting for your partner because both people are constantly getting to know each other deeper and deeper as they evolve throughout the relationship. Yeah. I mean, and just my parents have been together for – 50 years, and they don't have these deep conversations, but what they do is they do try new things, such as my dad is 90, my mom is 81, and my dad is finally getting an Apple computer, for example, and he's, it's a learning curve, and my mom is learning stuff. Like they're, They just got a, a, a puppy at their age two years ago, and they're learning how to co-parent a puppy. So they are still always kind of doing new things, and because of it, I think it's created this spark of interests, you know, by default in each other. Absolutely. And I, I'm, I'm curious, you were talking uh, earlier about the shadow self, and I was wondering if you could elaborate on what our person, what our shadows are, and what do you feel with your shadow, and how does it play into the power and passion in your relationship? When you think of shadow, think of just like you might have 
say uh, you feel like you have abandonment issues or you still are upset with your father or you have this deep insecurity uh, about something. And so I would say that that's our shadow. Or also it could be where it's someone else that you want to be, meaning that there's this very shy part of yourself, but there's also a part of yourself that would love to be outgoing. And your partner is more outgoing than you are. At first, you're attracted to them, and then later on, you start telling them why, why does he have to be the loudmouth at a party? And so that's your shadow. That's something that is possibly repressed energy. When you go into the authentic relating and you talk about those things, it alleviates the energy around that. And the energy around that, just imagine that energy being in that area where your belly button is, right there. And that's where your second chakra is. Imagine that being like an energy center where sexuality and creativity is. And so what I mean by that is we're energetic beings and that if someone's blocked in that area, they're also going to be blocked sexually. And the more a person's pushing down something that they, they do not want to be, or they're, they're still identified with being uh, someone abandoned, it's really hard for them to fully show up. But when you start, you start bringing that to the surface, you start bringing it love, you start honoring it whatever way you want to process it with a coach or your partner, whatever, it starts to open up that energy and that starts instead of that energy being, being pushing down what it is that you don't want to be or that you hate, it starts fueling the passion and it makes you feel alive. And that's where the power is. So basically, a person's shadow are those aspects of ourselves that we either suppress mm -hmm. or those aspects of ourselves that are hurt or wounded that need healing to, to evolve. Or in our partner, we may be drawn to them for certain attributes that we're denying in ourselves. Absolutely. I mean, it's just projections. It's, you know, it's, <laughs> I, I just kind of put it all in that cluster. Right. Now, how can couples remember and practice all of these tips and suggestions in their day-to-day -day busy lives? Listen to this recording every day. <laughs> <laughs> right. The thing is, that if they're listening to this, it's taking notes and setting up rituals, like as I mentioned before, to what it is that works for them. So it might be taking that morning walk to talk about things and one person talks and the person just listens. It might be going out to your balcony and having, you know, sharing a cup of coffee and just listening to the birds and just being with each other. There's so many ways to continue to practice all the stuff if you're practicing this yourself. You know, the main thing I think, you know, what we hopefully can get from this and you're getting from this interview also is that it's really about working on yourself. If you're working on yourself, you know, always staying in tune with growing and evolving, then you're always going to look at the relationship as an opportunity to get to know each other even more and continue to practice all of this. And another key thing I want to say to all of this is that, of course, we're always going to be working on ourselves, no matter what, in some shape or form. But also, there's this propensity sometimes with those who are really into self-help, where that's all they do. And they always try to change their partner, and they always try to just make it better than what it is. Part of this also is just learning how to be and letting go of all of that and being able to be with your partner. And that itself can sustain lasting, passionate love. Because if you're always trying to find things wrong with yourself, if you're also constantly saying there's things you need to work on, then basically what you're saying also is that there, there's, there's something possibly that you always have to fix that's wrong about you. And so it's really accepting 
who you are, you know, even if you want to do something better. I mean, it's, it's really honoring how your body is right now, but still maybe going to the gym. It's just while you're doing something to improve, make sure that you're being. Absolutely. And being and enjoying the moment and with, with your partner, with what you have, as well as growing, but keeping it in balance. Yes. Great. Now, I know you have a very special gift to offer our audience. Can you share what that is? And that link will be provided to yeah. every listener on the, on the call. There are some videos that I'm providing that are fun, simple exercises to connect to this authentically relating, as I share in this interview. Also, the eye contact exercise and a few more techniques, which are, are videos where you can practice this. And they're fun videos. They're fun exercises to do. And I do them with my private clients all the time. And it's a great way to kind of connect to all of what I just shared in this interview. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Ray. This was a great conversation and I really enjoyed it. I think it was very fruitful for all the listeners on the call. Thank you very much. Great. Once again, I'm your host, Andrea Carella with True Potential Counseling. And just to recap what we covered today, we covered how to keep the love alive through the lifespan of the relationship. What are sexual polarities and how to ignite passion and enhance your sexuality with your partner, as well as how to deepen connection by authentically relating to our partner and also healing our shadow self so we can be more alive and thrive in our life and in our partnership. Stay tuned for tomorrow's next interview in the Create a Relationship You Love series. You're going to really just love all the, the talks that are up ahead as much as you've enjoyed the ones that have already happened. So I can't wait to connect with you then, and I look forward to catching you in the next one.